Welcome to episode 150 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. This week we're talking JR's pick, Terrence Davies' film House of Mirth, along with lots of other stuff we watched. And, uh, you know, the, the usual stuff that we talk about on this show. How are you guys doing? Doing good. <coughs> sweet. Super sweet. Not dying from a cough. Myself. I had the I had a flu all last Ooh. week. Damn! Ouch! With with uh, my kid, she oh, also no. had flu, and oh. um, so we both had flu together for almost an entire week straight. And uh, she got over it about two or three days before I did, and uh, so I got to waste my entire break being sick and uh, the weekend being sick. And, but I did take off Monday, which was nice. So, you know. Birds of a feather flew together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You know, she gets sick. Of course I'm going to get sick, you know. Yeah. There's no way, no way around it. Um, well, it wasn't so bad. I mean, outside of the physical discomfort, it was good to spend a lot of time with her. Mm. That was a lot of fun, actually. So, But anyways, it's, I'm all better now. I just got this lingering cough. And, uh, you know, the the congestion, as it were. God. You know I how just, it is. I'm, I don't. Did you learn any lessons about flu shots? I get a flu shot every year, JR. How dare you? I know. I, uh, <laughs> I usually just happens, though. Like, I have a doctor's appointment, and then I just, I'm there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, let me get my flu shot. Mm-hmm. I don't ever, I don't plan for it, usually. It just happens mm-hmm. automatically. And this year, I just didn't have an appointment that fell and i didn't even think about it so yeah i definitely need to uh be more vigilant about a flu shot next year are you guys doctor people like do y'all go to the doctor i do indeed lots not lots i mean regularly yeah i go i go when uh i go when i'm sick uh i should i know that i should you know do like regular checkups and this that and the other but you know um when I can afford copays, then yeah, I'll do it more often. Yeah, I don't know. I don't JR's find myself not... at the doctor much. I, no? I mean, not that, no, I'm against doctors. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I went so long without uh, like convenient insurance or any insurance that now I just like I'm out of the habit of going to the doctor, even though I have. You've had benefits and stuff for years now, though, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, just, <laughs> it just doesn't happen very often. I don't know. I don't know what's. Up. I go to the dentist like twice a year. Never stop mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah, I'm in the second I got insurance, I started doing regular checkups with the doctor. So That's probably really smart. I mean, mm-hmm. I just like to be ahead of anything. If something, God forbid, something does happen, you know, I'd like to hear about it as early as possible. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like to get checked up, and make sure I'm okay. I'm so far, so more good. of a more of an avoidant personality. I'd like to not know <laughs> until it's too late to do anything. That's, that's fucked. That is scary. <laughs> <laughs> I 
that's just how I, how I deal with most of my problems. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess we, you know, normally we don't talk about trailers anymore, but I, I feel like, you know, this new teaser for the uh, Mad Max prequel warrants at least an acknowledgement that it exists and that oh, yeah. uh, I, I think I'm quite excited for it. Yeah, uh, it looks great. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And 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 I can't even say that um, I'm all that like blown away by it. Like whenever you saw the trailer for Fury Road, I remember like thinking that was really like there was some mind blowing imagery in that, you know. And there's really nothing that epic in this teaser, but it's just exciting to know. It's like the promise of you know that you know what George Miller's capable of. And that we're going to get more of it. And that's exciting. You know, that's for me, that's what I got out of it. Mm. I know what I mean. He's been just, he's been out in the desert for like two years fucking making this. It's been forever. So just, I feel like uh, it's going to look cool again. Even though I've definitely seen some, some like, you know, like the online comments are like so much CGI looks like garbage. I'm like, fuck off. Well, I mean, you know, the previous film was known for being practical, so. Yeah, and I'm, I bet a lot of stuff in this is going to be practical. Why, why is it taking him so long in the desert if, if he's doing so much CGI? Although and I, can't, it, I can see what they're talking CGI, about. But yeah. Like looking okay. at the, looking at the teaser, you could see though, like what they'd be referring to there. But it's, again, that's like a 30 second teaser or a minute teaser Mm. Wait till we get a three-minute theatrical trailer and let's see how it looks. I bet there's going to be I, like I'm waiting for that next trailer. The next trailer, a couple of months from now, is going to blow our minds. Like I guarantee it, it's going to be out of control. Yeah, I'm excited. I mm. I'm really excited about Chris Hemsworth too. Are he you? Looks, he looks like he's having fun. Yeah, I love, I love Hemsy having fun. <laughs> I'm I'm lukewarm on him being in the movie at all. Actually, well, stop but. stop watching those fucking extract movies. It's uh, <laughs> it's not only that. It's just like I don't know. He's just something about him rubs me the wrong way. I do like his general demeanor in the teaser, though. I mean, I liked his. Mm. I like I like late lady and gentlemen's. I like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I thought I honestly. This is a weird nitpick. I I wish he had a stronger Australian accent. Like, I wish it was more twangy and Australian, you know? Like, he it's is. there, but it's not. Yeah, but he's just got, like, his natural. It just sounds like he's speaking, like, his natural accent. I wish he'd go further with it, like, more cartoony, you know? Uh, G'day, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and maybe, <coughs> sorry, maybe um, he, he will go crazy with it, you know, in the... Uh, 90 99% of the lines we didn't hear in the teaser. So yeah. who, knows? who knows? I do like his Lamat revolver that he pulls out ever so briefly. It's a great uh, Western pistol. Mm. Eight shots. Got a shotgun shell in it. It's pretty sweet. I don't know guns, but yeah, guns, <laughs> yeah. guns. <laughs> I only know all that because, uh, well, actually that was a dragoon. I think. My buddy, more uh, guns, Russ, more well, guns. sorry, sorry, Rustin told me about it whenever uh, we were talking about it one time, the little Matt, and he told me all about it. Anyway, he watches <laughs> the Street Channel and stuff. 
Um, so yeah, the uh, I'm not crazy about the title. A Mad Max saga. Yeah, not I'm not into that. Yeah, that reeks yeah. of uh, that reeks of we got to market this thing somehow. Yes, it's branding. We Total just branding. we just spent 170 million dollars or whatever. Right. Uh, we can't just call it Furiosa. No one will know what that means. <laughs> no one will know what it means. You know, it's like now yeah. that uh, now that the Marvels has bombed, it's like uh, people are off uh, off women. It's like women can't make money anymore, yeah. or movie starring women can't make money, um, which of course is stupid. But you know, you gotta love that the the the, the <laughs> sort of toxic um, misogynistic backlash to Fury Road was was like you know we, we Charlie's Theron is the real star. This is gross. It should be Mad Max. It should be Tom Hardy's character. And then George Miller just doubling down and being like, well, how about a whole movie that's all about Furiosa and that's called Furiosa? You know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like he's not like, not bowing at all. You know, not yeah. bending. Well, yeah. And there's, I'm sure there's already some of that. Uh, oh yeah, that bullshit as well. Well, yeah. I mean, in the intervening eight years, like you know, we have the ri- the various rises of the Jordan Petersons and Andrew Tates of the world. So yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, strong, strong men. It's all about being strong, but also yeah. be afraid of women. Yeah, yes. be very afraid of women, but you are strong, strong. Stroke yes. that cock, strong man. That's right. <laughs> but not in a gay way. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's get into our review. This is uh, JR's pick, The House of Birth from 2000, directed by Terrence Davies and starring Gillian Anderson, Dan Aykroyd, Anthony LaPaglia, Eric Stoltz, Laura Linney, and others. Um, Jr. Take take it take it over, man. Um, Gillian Anderson is a turn of the century. You know the nineteenth twentieth century turn. Yeah, socialite, but she ain't got no money, <laughs> and uh, we just see her flounder and um, try to figure her shit out, and it does not go well. Um. The social climate stuff is hard when you make some bad gambling decisions and also apparently just uh, rub people the wrong way. I loved Gillian Anderson in this movie. And I was doing that thing where I was watching it. This movie that I've been excited to watch for a while from this director that I really like. I've always been like, maybe this is like, this might be like my period piece. Just looks good. Fred good things. And uh, while I was watching it, I was just like, man, this could really, some of these moments could really go the wrong way for my podcast buddies. <laughs> so I was like, when Julian Anderson is breaking down at the end of this, that might be, this might be bad news. Um, but uh, yeah, th- I, this is a movie about a woman who is, uh, it's not, the she's suffering she's trying to get through a situation and uh she just keeps piling on top of her and that is a scenario that i often don't like it just ends up being sort of like a a poverty or suffering porn but um this avoids that because like she has ways to get out of this and it's also partially her fault um 
she at some point calls herself an idiot and and she has been an idiot at times and um she has passed up things that would like be good for her and make her happy out of uh, a sense of like that's beneath her and she has passed up things that would not make her happy but would get out of the situation out of a sense of dignity i like how she is complicated and um and yeah and i really like eric stoltz in this movie boom turn what do you guys think I would agree with uh, pretty much everything you said. Like, um, like I thought Jillian Anderson was really good in this. I thought um, I was. I thought Eleanor Braun, the aunt, was excellent. Like her, you know, her American accent never falters for a second. Um, Big fans of Squid and the Whale might disagree with this, but I think this is Laura Linney at her most despicable. Oh my god! Like she I just is like you just fucking ice cold. like hate that woman because she's you know she's being such a fucking bitch and she's smiling through it the whole time and she knows exactly what she's putting Jillian Anderson through and it's just like oh my god what a fucking bitch you know um but yeah i mean yeah i mean i i don't i don't really think i can think of a performance in the movie that was bad at any point um maybe maybe some of them weren't like amazing but nothing bad in my opinion no, yeah i i I liked. Uh, I think I liked everyone. There are some people who show up, and I, I think don't uh, don't matter, or why they matter is not communicated super well. Like Elizabeth McGovern as Miss mm. Fisher, who's like just this friend, and it's I struggle with like what is their relationship, um, but she's fine. Um, yeah, the Laura Linney stuff. She, yeah, it's uh, the way that she treats. Lily is is just like borderline psychotic, uh, and like the first time she shows up on that train and like interrupts the conversation she's having with uh, Grace, yeah, you know this this rich guy that she's gonna try and and woo, and butts in and then like offers her a cigarette. Is like, oh, you stopped smoking, and just like, oh man, the the calculation. So mm. It's beautiful. No, don't make that face. I shouldn't I read excited. that. I didn't read that as purposeful, but I mean, at the moment, I thought it was like she's annoying and yeah, brash. Mm. But then, with everything that comes after, and just how I think she's just, she thwarts so much and is, I don't know, it's just awful. I I kind of saw that scene a different way. Um, yeah, I like all the performances too. I think. Uh, I think Jillian Anderson is good. Maybe not great. I do like Eric Stoltz a lot in the movie. I think he fits the uh, the period really well. Like he, I don't know. The, the the lines are really interesting. The way that people speak in the film is, um, you know, I'm not a historian, but it just feels very genuine. It feels like accurate to high society at the time, how they would speak, maybe with the. <clears throat> the type of vocabulary and the sort of um, 
the sentence structures. I don't know. They're just really interesting the way that they converse and stuff. And, um, and like even when they break down and they get emotional, there's still this extremely high level of vernacular. Um, so yeah, I liked all that. I liked Anthony Apalia a lot in the movie too. Oh yeah. Um, anytime yeah, he showed sure. up, I was, I was excited. He's really good in it. And, uh, of course, you know, you got me from the intro. You got four, you got four different actors on here who appeared in Frasier. So I mean, <laughs> nice. we're good, you know, uh, <laughs> thank God for that. I, uh, <coughs> did you Sorry, guys like okay. the uh the first scene like the uh the missing the train and then calling calling oh, eric you, stoltz call, calling lawrence right, right. to uh to kind of go up and it looks like oh they're gonna they're gonna bang this movie oh it's yeah people <laughs> just banging and then they don't they flirt bang for sure they do some great flirt banging oh yeah but i uh i loved when Lily came out of his room in that building he lived in, the, the Benedict, that that hard hard CK at the end of, of Benedict, by the way. Yeah. Um, and she runs into to Mr. Rosedale, Anthony LaPaglia's character, who's like asking, oh, what's going on? And uh, she's like, how's oh, that my dressmaker? He's like, oh, that's interesting. The name of this building means confirmed bachelor. And uh, I was like, nice. Was, yeah. From that first scene, I loved... Uh, I love the back and forth in the first scene between Anderson and Stoltz. And then I, uh, I loved the bit with Rosedale and I was like, I am into this movie's dialogue. Let's go. What's the deal with Stoltz. Okay. With Lawrence Selders. Like, is this guy. Sel- huh? What? Selden. Selden. Hmm. Lawrence Selden. Selders. Okay. What's <laughs> the deal with Selden? Like, is he on Wikipedia? It says she can't marry him because he doesn't have the, enough money. I don't remember hearing that he doesn't have money. He lives in the same building as Rosedale. Well, He's obviously got money. No, he lives in the building that Rosedale owns. Rosedale owns the building? Rosedale says he yeah. owns the Benedict in I that first that. scene with him. I miss uh, that. And in that first scene, she also is kind of making fun of slash just talking to Selden and like mentions like how does it feel to like have to work sort of implying that like he isn't just yeah a but he's a lawyer he's, he's, he says yeah. he says I like the law like he's a lawyer he's obviously got money he has, he's not living in squalor he's, he's dressed in a tuxedo the entire fucking movie I mean I, I don't know like yeah, you know no, I, I there's there's a part of this that is like very foreign to me where it's like everyone mm-hmm. we see is very clearly extremely wealthy yeah uh, and even at the end when Jillian Anderson is living like in and squalor she's still living in like this giant apartment room yeah. um, like it's probably bigger than most people's current new york apartments but <laughs> for it's, sure you know and the idea of what is poor here is is weird like i understand like julian anderson is like is deep in debt and she has no money but like these are also people who just live in mansions with no money and have no jobs it's it's bizarre um and and, and yeah, uh, yeah like all the Sorry, I was, all these all these people are living off of like, you know, um, what do you, what do you call them? Um, passive passive incomes and legacies and inheritances and all this all this other kind of stuff and like, yeah, like it it just it struck me just now like the irony of her, you know, like, oh, you know, how does it how does it feel to have to work? And then she's like, like when she talked when. Um, Lapalia um, finds her after she's been fired, 
and, you know, takes her to tea and she's talking about having to work as if it's like, you know, I'm, you know, like essentially it's like, well, I'm selling my body for crack, you know, <laughs> it's like, like that's yeah. like, you know, that's the equivalent for her of, you know, like, um, of ha- like having to work is just so like beyond demeaning in her mind that it's like, yeah. Well, she yeah. also sucks at it though, right? Yeah. <laughs> like she can't, she can't, <laughs> sew, she can't do anything. Well, and she's also, she's taking that, that laudanum, uh, which is not helping Ooh, yeah. at the, at that point. Yeah. You shouldn't, you, know, her, you shouldn't increase the dose. Mrs. Hatch fingers getting shaky. Of course. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, you know, again, uh, I love when like those, there's like two breakdowns near the end of the movie as she's talking to people. Like the real like breakdown where she's crying is, is with grace when she's kind of begging grace to loan her money from the, the legacy that just, uh, won't, won't be delivered, I guess. And then there's the one with, um, with Stoltz, you know, when she throws the, uh, the letters into the fire and, um, I like those breakdowns, like the the dialogue in those. It's great. Like when she calls herself a useless person, I was like, like fuck, man, that sucks. It like sucks to be that self aware. Uh, to know that you are useless and a piece of shit. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> man, those letters. What a it, her her breakdowns with Grace. Okay, like, n- there's nothing wrong with it, okay? Like, she does a fine job and everything. But, like, I don't know. There's, like, there's, there's a lot of moments in this movie where I'm just, like, Davies is just hanging on this shit a little bit too long. There could They could edit the scene down, like, a couple of seconds here and there. She's g- gasping and crying for, like, it feels like three solid minutes. It's just, like... I don't know that we need quite that much. Like we get it, you know, like, I, I mean, at least I got it. I, I feel like I just felt like, and, and the movie's already like over long, like it's two hours and 15 yeah. solid minutes. Sorry, I mean, Mike. no, it could easily be shorter. Like it could easily cut 20 minutes off of this easily. So one of those entire scenes of this movie and nothing would happen. One of my, one of my notes near the beginning was, uh, we have, like all these conversations, sort of once the plot kicks off, once she has gone to uh, to whatever that house is where they are all supposed to stay for a week, and then like the country, y- yeah, like, is, that, is that Belmont. Dan Aykroyd's house? Yeah, Belmont. Yeah. Uh, and then like the stuff with Dan Aykroyd gets going. Um, the editing uh, is something I thought was really cool. There are like several scenes where um, a conversation will be cut off, not just like mid conversation, but like mid someone's sentence. Uh, and it will do like sort of like a soft, soft, but quick fade into to something else. So it's like the conversations that are just like these trifles, like Davies is like, all right, we're set up. We can leave. We're going to the next thing. But at the end, he lets all of those conversations last way long. And like they're I think they're meant to be like they're meant to make us uncomfortable, like the with Laura Linney is kicking her off of the yacht and it's just like like we have to see that whole thing and just like we have to watch Julian <laughs> scramble to sort of remain dignified and 
figure out what she's going to say in the moment and then also like scramble to figure out where she's literally going to stay which is like come on but like yeah go go, just go to where fucking Selden is staying okay yeah but that's a good scene that's interesting i I wouldn't you know like that's so so that elicits a a genuine response bring it back to the grace thing right grace (laughs) like she's begging grace Mm-hmm. And it's it is the scene where we see her sort of let go of her dignity like the most. Like it's the only time we see her just beg, like break down, sob and beg. But and we do this with every the we stay in there long enough for Grace to give her answer and for Jillian to stand up and like recompose herself and walk out of the room with dignity. And I notice like in every conversation that she has in this movie outside of conversations with Selden, she like always like will leave the room, like trying to be like on top. Uh, Like she's clearly not on top. She's being shit on, but she is like, I'm going to leave this room with dignity. I'm going to act like everything's okay. Uh, Again, except when she's talking to Selden, they will argue and, and bicker and, when she's asks grace for money and grace says no whatever grace says i don't know what she says but essentially no and then to be patient right and then she walks out the door that 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 movement from her getting up and leaving and out of the door is so long that i immediately read that as she wants grace to change her mind so she's taking as long as possible to get out of the room yeah, I would I like like you would do like mm. like almost like in a sitcom way, which I, I don't even know that that's what they were going for. But like that's how that reads to me, and it's right. like, and it's like it it almost feels like that's probably not the way it should read, which means you should do something about that scene. Like let's no, just no, let's, it let's, means that your brain is fucking infected from <laughs> Frasier. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I know the difference. It's just like I mean, I, I'm 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 aware that Terrence Davies is probably not a big sitcom fan. But, um, you know, I mean, who knows? He might've been, but, uh, it's just, yeah, it's just, that's the way that, that, that's the way that, that, uh, that plays to me. And it's like, not, it feels unnecessary. And I hated, uh, who plays grace? Uh, Jody, some may, something like that. I I hated Jody May's performance in that entire scene. Her like disconnected, like comatose, like what is, what is going on with her? She's beside herself with grief still. Fuck off. Like, I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, that, that red is phony as shit. But I... Yeah. Yeah, I, for real. Especially, since, like, Eleanor Braun's character, the aunt, like, is just, like, she's the quintessential, you know, stone-faced, you know... Um, Cunt? Yeah, from, you know, from, like, from way back. And, you know, like, like there's, there's no way that this... That, <laughs> grace still harbors these sorts of you know unless you unless the two of them are having like some weird incestuous relationship like there's no way that they are still like that she is still yeah, so I mean, broken over the loss well, even, of even a, if it's like even tight, if she, fisted great, cold woman grace sure. you played you played the game you played the game uh, and you won uh, even if she was though i'm not even saying that she can't be sad about her aunt being dead still but just this idea that she's still the same level of sadness that she was during the will reading like yeah. weeks, weeks later. It's just well, like, it's a little ridiculous. Like there's got to be some nuance and some growth. She is also her reason for 
not liking Lily is is maybe one of the more annoying ones in the in the movie. It's basically just she's in love with with Selden. She's in love with Stoltz. And mm. Stoltz is clearly in love with Lily. And so is she's he, just like Is he though? Uh I thought so, based on the first scene and then several scenes throughout. Doesn't he reject her though? Like she I mean she literally mm. Yeah. She literally and, says, Do you want to marry me? And he says, No, I don't want to marry you. Yeah. I mean, like what what is that? Yeah, I mean well, like I think and that, I agree, that, that would have complicated. Been, like, thing, it would have been better if they had actually like put something in to like kind of bridge that gap. Like you know, like the way the way the scenes, the will reading, and then uh, Jillian Anderson begging. It's like, oh well, she's just sad about her aunt. It's like no, like this is like revenge, but we but that is not you know like when she's rejected by Stoltz. Like you know that's like fucking two hours earlier in the movie so like there's no like it's not like you know we know that grace has been carrying a grudge since then i guess i just didn't really read that as rejection since i don't think she was really asking the question in terms of like this is an actual possible future for me well, like when uh, when Lily is talking to Grace, like I must know what people say. What you know, what it, I must know what people say about me, and it's like, and Grace straight up lies her ass off. We've never discussed you, Lily. Like, mm, okay, we literally so, just saw y'all talking about her. So well, you know, when, when but, she was, you know, posing but that's her, that, but that's you know, her thing. That's her jealousy. That's the uh, like, and, and so I guess we don't really have to. We don't have to think that Selden loves Lily, although I did think that the entire time. Uh, we see Grace at that thing, like clearly jealous for that reason, and she just seems to hold on to that animosity uh, and uses all of the rumors about her as just a way to like confirm a reason to not like uh, to not like Lily. So she can't. She can't. Let's assume he loves her. And she obviously is smitten with him. She can't marry him because he's not a millionaire. Yeah, essentially that's her Why? reasoning. Like as if, as if she couldn't marry him and stay in his apartment and live the exact same life she's living. Right. He's in he's in Monte Carlo just like everybody else. I mean, it's, what, what, no, what look, do they need the money for? I don't understand. We're, we're getting money. back to something insane here. Um, he's yeah he's like he's not highborn enough or something he's not rich enough but like he's still clearly a part of the yeah. high society he's there he's at the he's dinner a, he's invited to all the parties mm-hmm. he's not on the yacht but he got to europe um and you don't want you don't want to be on that fucking yacht uh, yeah i the the those intricacies make no sense to me whatsoever and and that's like even you know when she was like working for like the the woman who's like social climbing at the end before she's the, the seamstress and Stoltz comes in is like, do you know where you are? Like, as though it's like so embarrassing. (laughs) It's like, it's like, she's in, she's in like mansion. She's in a mansion that looks like the other mansions. I don't, what do you mean? Right. Yeah. Where I don't know where we are apparently. And then it's like, okay. So then I have to say like, okay, if the reason she won't marry Eric Stoltz is because Eric Stoltz doesn't have enough money and she wants to live in the lap of luxury. That's her goal. Then it's like, 
it's a weird that's a weird character to make a movie about right like especially one that davies works really hard to make you like this i mean for me anyways i feel like julie anderson is very like you're on her side for the movie you like yeah. you you hate laura linney you hate dan Aykroyd, you hate all the people who are against her they're all scum they're trying to use her they're trying to bring her down and she, all she's doing is trying to, and then you, and then you have to stop and say, "Oh, what is she trying to do? She's trying to do nothing. She's trying to be so rich she can do nothing." Like, what kind of likable character trait is that? That's shit. That's not, was that, yeah, <laughs> right? It's a weird. That's a weird uh, dichotomy. I don't know. So it, it is, and I, I think she ends up being. And this is, uh, I checked out the book from the library because I'm kind of curious about this exact thing. It's like, is this novel? like an indictment of like you know sh- a shitty class system at this time and sort of lily is our personable but vacuous sort of conduit into this world and we can set, kind of see how the people shit on each other mm-hmm. uh like is this is this book like a critique of of a system i i'm curious about that because i i think lily can be likable but still make garbage decisions and ultimately have a garbage goal. Uh, and I think she can have a garbage goal and s- still be treated wildly unfairly, even as she is like trying to do the honorable and right thing. Uh, because like she can have a shitty goal, but what Dan Aykroyd does to her and how that ruins her reputation is like, that's pretty fucked. You wouldn't, you fully expect, like I was fully expecting this movie to end pleasantly for her (laughs) i really was i was like something's gonna happen she's gonna end up marrying like he's gonna come into a bunch of money and she's gonna marrying him or anthony napalia is gonna finally convince her to do the business deal and just marry him and like everything's gonna be okay like she's not gonna be happy but she'll have lots of money and then she'll realize that's not what the happiness she wanted or like you know what i mean but then it's just like the, the the sort of like it's not even a left turn. It's like exactly where you like, where like a 16 year old would imagine this would go. Right. It's like, <laughs> she's going to off herself, you know, because she can't like be working anymore. Working is so sad that she, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the whole thing, like I'm so upset that I'm working. I can't sleep. I can't sleep at night. Cause it's so distressing. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. But I mean, it, the, and I know I'm, I mean, glib, it's not like the work itself. I, right? she's, yeah. Again, lost all of her friends, and I understand that sucks. Is there a dog? Fuck is that? That is Toby, who is. Okay. You have a dog? Yeah. I didn't know you had a dog. Have you always had a dog? Uh, since I lived with Sharon, yeah. It's, I mean, it's Sharon's dog. Where uh, was the dog when I was over at the kid's birthday party? He was in my bedroom. What's the deal with his, this? In his um, kennel. Because you know, I see. Yeah, I don't know. Right. My my dogs make themselves known with all the awful noises that they make. Although <laughs> it's been, I guess they haven't butted in a while. But oh, I have one yeah. here. He's not making but, any noise. But yeah, he's uh, he's like, I don't know. He'll be like thirteen this month. Jesus. Yeah, and yeah. Qu- quick sidebar. Mm-hmm. People 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 say all the time, oh, you shouldn't let your pets eat this. You shouldn't let your pets eat that. It's bad for them. Uh, this yeah. dog has eaten Reese's in the wrapper, wrapper and all, and has had no ill effects from it. Maybe the wrapper protected him. 
Maybe. I, um, over the summer, my dumb dog, who was sitting here looking very sweet, uh, <laughs> but he's really dumb and he's bad. He ate uh, an entire, like, corn cob. Um, and we we're it's like, okay. that's probably not good. And then we looked it up. It's like, they can't digest that. And, um, we were just so mad at him for trying to kill himself. Like I was at work one day and Sarah's just like watching this dog, like throw up over and over again. And it's like, do we take him in and like save him? I was like, or do we just watch him die in the living room? Yeah, we should probably take him in. Um, very expensive. Uh, don't let your dog eat a corn cob. It's not poison. It's just giant and not digestible. I uh, I don't have a dog, so I'm good. I won't have a dog once this one kills itself. Yeah, I'm done with pets, man. I've been done with pets for a while. Never again. Yeah, we we have a we have a fish as well, and that's perfectly fine for me. But uh, yeah, like yeah, like yeah, I I the the thing that I'm tired of the most is dealing with some somebody else's poop. Like, um, like the boys are, you know, pretty much potty yeah. trained. Like, you know, Stefan still needs to like stop what he's doing and actually go to the bathroom when he needs to. But other than that, you know, like they take care of their own pee and their poop. Well, you know, it's weird that you're talking about poop because I was literally while I was watching this movie, I was thinking like, where are these people shitting? Like, do they have yeah. indoor? In, I mean, they must have indoor plumbing, right? And I'm just like, I don't wonder what their toilets look like. Like, do they have those things where they have to, like, pull down on the flushers? You know, like the, the, the big so lanyard thing? Indoor indoor plumbing is new at this time, right? Oh, yeah. yeah they're yeah. they're so hyper-rich, though, right? So Yeah, but, like, they've got all these, like, ancient, not ancient, but, like, really old mansions and stuff. Have they, like, mm. immediately made the transition to, like, add indoor what plumbing? What they do before. Be what do, yeah, but what do the rich people do before? Like, I, I've seen diagrams just, recently of, like, the medieval sh- castles and shit, and they, like, they shit in the tower, and then it just drops down the tower. And like the yeah. peasants clean it up out of the bottom of the tower. They didn't just like, like chamber pots. Was it? No, like that's pots? Well, I, I was. Well, I saw this diagram. I don't know if it's real. I mean, it's just a drawing. You know, who knows? <laughs> but it was like a diagram, and it was like these. Like the the guy goes out of his room, and he like goes into like the the corner tower of the castle, and there's mm. a fucking hole in the floor, and he just shits into the hole, and it literally falls all the way down to the bottom, and then like the peasants scoop it up or throw dirt on it or whatever they do that sounds fun. okay so there's yeah, like a yeah. giant a giant latrine deal all right yeah yeah cool. dysentery <laughs> um anyway you guys, you guys have any yeah. uh, more like filmmaking notes what do uh, you, you think of, of davies in general i think I, uh, I i i watched um the long day closes uh last week which is um his second film i think and uh it's drastically different than this, but it does have like, um, there is like a, there's like, you know, connective tissue between them. There's like things you can tell about his style. Just this sort of like soft, calm, um, mood, I guess that he creates, which is like way more present in long day closes because long day closes is like, so dreamlike it's just like a it's like a it's like a memory you know it's like you're watching a memory it's very bizarre but and this movie doesn't have that it's not strange at all but um but it does have some of the same sort of like 
I don't know, mood building in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, I think his direction is fine. You know, it's completely appropriate and adequate, except that it, the movie's just too long in my opinion. I think he could lose things in it, but yeah. I think, uh, he probably is, he probably feels pretty precious about the source material. Maybe didn't want to cut it down more. Yeah. I, and I don't know. And this is a British guy directing a, uh, american novel and directing it in apparently scotland but um and i much of his like stuff in the 2000s is adaptation period piece adaptation or um period piece biography of notable writers uh but he uh, maybe Check out uh, the Deep Blue Sea with Rachel Weisz and Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, which is like a, it's not House of Mirth, it's not The Long Day Closes, but it is like a, a period piece with a very manageable length. It's like ninety five minutes or something, hundred minutes maybe. I like the length of The Long Day Close. I mean, I like The Long Day Closes quite a bit. I was um, surprised by it. I did not expect it to be so avant garde as it was, um, and I, I liked great. it. But, uh, yes, I mean, you know, this, this movie's not, like, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be, it seems like I'm like ripping on this movie. Like, I don't, I don't find this movie like be like a huge piece of shit or something. Like, I think it's very, very like well-made and, uh, well done. And especially for what I imagine, you know, I can't imagine he had a huge budget on this. And, uh, I think he makes it work like the way he shoots things, the way he sort of, the way he sets everything like sort of indoors or like in the woods or, you know, when he has to show a city street, he's like very sort of economical about showing that city street. Like, so he doesn't have to have, you know, hundreds of extras in, um, in old timey cars. Yeah. Period guard yeah. cars and horses and carriages and shit. It's just like, I don't know. You get the, you get the sense of, of where you're at and what the time period is and the, and the costumes are great. Mm. And, uh, and also, you know, this idea that like he's British, but he's directing an American, thing it's like yeah but but like it's like, like it's like an american story but it's like it's a very british story right it's yeah like, it's, it's very yeah, like yeah, yeah highfalutin aristocratic you well, know well in, in in like the ideas of like uh you know no one likes anthony the Pagliar's character because uh he's like he's not highborn right. he's making mm-hmm. money by doing things like uh investing his money i think uh the the ant character it says something to the effect I didn't write it down in the in the moment so I, it's like kind of a paraphrase uh, shit what I do with it oh it basically says like to grow richer when most investments are shrinking it's in it's in bad taste it's like she's yeah. mad at this guy for making money while most people are losing it yeah um, this, movie, this movie had a ten million dollar budget wow which isn't like lot. crazy small mm. but it's not, not no yeah. The there were some uh, I like some transitions in this. So there were several indoor like time transitions where uh, Davy sort of pans away from his subject and the lighting changes. Like it just gets darker or it gets brighter. Yes, I thought those were nicely done. That's something mm-hmm. he does in the long day closes a few times, like to show time passing. Yeah, to like have a window and like all of a sudden, you know, yeah, like it'll get dark outside or it'll start snowing outside or something like that. And it'd be like, okay, now we're in winter, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah, that's something. It feels like 
it feels really simple. Like that should be really simple, but it's, uh, mm-hmm. but I thought it was nice and elegant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we didn't, we haven't really talked Dan Aykroyd. How do we feel about, about the giant, the giant Aykroyd in the room? <laughs> I think Aykroyd is, uh, is, uh, he's like, he's good in it. He, he, his, his face and his voice feel like they belong in a period piece like this. I agree. Or, or, or even you could even go like later, like in like the twenties, like he'd be good in like a twenties period piece, you know, like mm. fast talking, you know, high trousers. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, but I liked, and I, I like that his character, I like his, the turn that his character has from like, I mean, he's essentially a stalking weirdo, you know, he's like trying, yeah. to, he's trying to bet her and trying to blackmail her into fucking him. And, uh, which is a weird scene. And I like, and I love the, that scene is a great scene because of the way that like, he can't say what he wants to happen because it's like improper. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So he's just sort of like really strongly (laughs) hinting at it. You know, I like that a lot. I like the way that that was written. I feel like maybe I'm misremembering this because I can't actually find, pick one out as I look through his movies but i feel like he's done period pieces where like the dialogue has just totally gotten away from him but now i don't know what i'm thinking of either he's of you guys see driving miss daisy yeah but that movie is fucking balls that. well yeah i mean but yeah. <laughs> is him, it? him putting on a gross yeah. southern accent you know yeah i and i don't and i don't even i don't blame dan Aykroyd for that i he's in I, pearl I harbor Who's he bad. plays he plays a soldier in pearl harbor maybe as a Oh yeah, he's like a general or something. Cap- like Captain Thurman. Oh, okay. I don't, guys, I don't remember Pearl Harbor at, at me, all. Me neither. He's also in 1941, yeah. which is another World War II movie. <coughs> yeah. yeah, he was a he was a young man then. Yeah, was he like was he, he was like 26 when they filmed that. I think. How about yeah. bright bright young things? 1930s England. He's in that. I wonder how he did in Chaplin. I don't remember him in Chaplin. I don't remember him. I don't remember him in oh, any yeah, of these like movies. Oh yeah, he's like the um the director yeah. who gives Chaplin like his first big break. He sees Chaplin on like the in on the road, right? And then Chaplin does like that impromptu, like uh, yeah, like he yeah. falls over and shit, and he's like doing different slapsticky shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I I haven't seen Chaplin in twenty five years, like yeah. in so long. <laughs> yeah. Might be time for a review. Just kidding. Maybe. <laughs> Just kidding. Please don't choose that. That's also <laughs> long. No, it's only actually only two and a half hours. I thought it was like three hours. Oh, I mean, yeah. Hours Attenborough, long. you would think. Oh, yeah, it's going to be three and a half hours, and you know. Thought it was. Anyways, um, okay. Well, if you guys uh, are into like these same sorts of like ridiculous characters, but with a comedic bent. I would highly recommend uh, the Jeeves and Worcester show with uh, Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie as Jeeves and Worcester. Because, um, like, the, the entire time I'm watching this, I'm like, you know, like the whole, like, oh, you know, we're rich and we don't do things. And, you know, uh, oh, it's time to get married. So you have, like, you know, three options that keep coming around. I kept thinking of Jeeves and Worcester because a lot of the shows are based around trying to get Worcester married off. And yeah, like I, th- I think like 
yeah, just the ridiculousness of it works a little better with comedy, in my opinion. <laughs> All right. Uh, did anyone clock last last thing? Did anyone clock how many times she was asked or told you look tired? At least seven. <laughs> it was. I didn't count, but there was a point where I was like, "What the fuck is happening here?" Yeah. <laughs> how about how many? How about how many times she refers to things other than food as delicious? Oh yeah, I, I, I noticed that more at, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that well, in the first time it happened, I was like, "Oh, they really, they really just are gonna fuck," because it's in that that first scene. Um, it's like this is gonna be an aggressive mood for a like nineteen oh five period piece or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, all right. So uh, that I have, um, you know, that I am. Not rich, but life is very expensive. Lots of great lines in here. Mm. Um, let's do. Uh, I know I'm not supposed to say this, but let's do. Let's do ratings. You can say whatever you want, Jr. I'm going to give it a three. Okay. I'm going three and a half. I'm going four and a half. This is a top ten movie of 2000. This guy suck it. <laughs> I was this so guy in. is so like like I you know how, you know how I, I'm I loved it. Oh my god! I was into all of it. <laughs> it's just uh. so so transparent, Jr. <laughs> you know how I'm in Guadagnino's pocket, like you're in Davy's <laughs> pocket, but <laughs> like, he's, he's made movies I don't like. Name one. Uh, A Quiet Passion. Sorry, we have muted. John is. We're Sorry. just on. We're just watching John die. I know a computer I screen. I, I like. I start talking, and I'm like, I have a good point to make, and I just can't stop fucking stop coughing, dude. Uh, what what movie did you say? A Quiet Place. He directed that. Uh, <laughs> a Quiet Passion, a movie he made about Emily Dickinson oh. with uh, Cynthia Nixon. Oh, oh it's Cynthia not good. Nixon. It's actually not you very hate, good. You hate Sex in the City. That makes sense. So maybe oh. Davies does love American sitcoms. Maybe. Hey. Hey. You know, all you know, I, I it's sort of a juice to say four people were on Frasier. Two of them are callers. So oh. two actual <laughs> who are the callers? Jillian Anderson and um Stoltz. Yeah, Stoltz. Stoltz is in the first season calling in. Yeah. Laura Lenny turns out to be the love of his life at the end of the series. That's true. They get divorced though before the new series starts. So oh, right, oh, I right. thought you weren't gonna watch that. I watched the first two episodes. Okay. It's, okay, it's okay. I probably will finish it at some point. I'm I'm not super interested in it, but it's not. I mean, it's obviously like not. You know, it's like a pale copy of the original. But <laughs> so, did they have like, like throughout the series? Are there like sort of B list actors, like well not known names, but B list? Yeah, sort no, of not not B list. Big big names, big names, and not just actors. Like weird. Timothy Leary is a caller on one of the episodes. It's bizarre. Mm. Yeah, like they they had um like I, I remember the episode where uh, like Michael Frazier? Keaton plays um Lilith's brother and yes. like and like Lilith's fortune yeah and, and like Fraser like kicks him out like how can you how can you do that to a man in a wheelchair there is one thing that I can tell you for one hundred percent certain in life somebody out there is missing a wheelchair yeah <laughs> that's the greatest episode ever but um. 
I mean, the uh, at the end of each season, they do like a uh, during the credits of the last episode, they show uh, like pictures of like headshots of all the callers who called into a show oh. over the season, and it's always like big names. So, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. you don't Frazier, know what it's. Frazier is great. Like it's wonderful. Yeah, it's a wonderful program. All right, um, never know. Let's do uh, letterboxed roulette. Now, I was thinking we could just literally limit this to. You tell me if this is crazy. Let's just limit it to four, and let's do like Jillian Anderson, Stoltz, Linny, and Aykroyd. Sure. Okay. Great. So we'll do them in order. So Anderson one. is one, Aykroyd is two, Linny is three, Stoltz is four, and then I'm going to roll four-sided die online. <laughs> makes sense. We got people like Terry Kenny and Top Build yeah. here. Yeah. Who the fuck is that, right? Wild. Yeah. He's been in a lot of stuff, actually, but Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's just weird. All right, it's one. It's, it's, it's Jillian Anderson. What are you gonna do? Who is uh, <sighs> notably a, a TV person? There's just I know she's been in films, but there's no way I've seen a ton of them. I've seen. I, I see one that John watched. Four, that I know I did four, four of them, and I didn't see Tristram Sh- Tristram Shandy. So this is gonna oh. hurt me. She was in that. <laughs> All right, I got I got six, five. <laughs> oh my god. That's the closest I've been last place. I've ever been. You've ever been in last place before. Yeah. It's all because of Tristram Shandy. I would be tied with Kevin, but um yeah. I'll tell you so, what, Kevin. I, I'm I didn't watch um <laughs> yeah. I didn't watch Gelwar. I didn't get around to it. I'm going I started through. it, but I didn't finish it. Yeah, but you started what the fuck? You started I'm, though. Hang on, hang on, hang on. So what I'm what I'm what I'm going to propose is that I will watch Gelwar and the and the punishment for this week solo, if you guys want. Sure. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to see what my punishment film is, and it's early on the list. It's uh, number one seventy four. Oh wow! Mm. It's going to be like the mother and the whore or something. Four hours long. (laughs) It's the birds by Alfred Hitchcock. I've never seen the birds. This is fine. Okay, I was about to say that's lame as hell, but uh, not because it's a bad movie. But I was like, "There's no way John hasn't seen that." I've not seen. I've only seen two Hitchcock films: Vertigo and Rear Window. Okay, all right. And I like both okay. of those, so we'll see. This is a, nor- this is a hmm. normal well, thing. I will. Say. I will for sure watch The Birds because I've been. Oh, okay. Want, I've been wanting to watch uh, some more Hitchcock again because, like, I got really into him when I like. It was weird. Like, I must have been, like, I don't know, in, like, fucking middle school or something. Like, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Anyway, yeah, there are so many of those movies that I saw, like, I know that I didn't have the wherewithal to appreciate them, so. Right. Yeah. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) I can't take much more of this. The guy's losing a lung in there. Sorry, John. I had to. It's he can't hear you. He's dying. Well, no, I heard you. It's good. Okay. Um. All right. Well, let's um. Let's go ahead and get into what we watched. Who wants to begin? Can I? Uh, can I start with a quick uh, the killer? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Go so ahead. just you know follow up on you guys thinking the movie is is fine. Um. Yeah just fine isn't that kind of where you guys were at yeah Yeah. three and a half three and a half yeah Uh, so the like i watched this and like i didn't like love it but i felt crazy 
So it, was, it just felt like I was watching a different movie. Like I, I, I did. It felt like you guys were taking things at face value that I took as, as comedy. I, I just was. I felt. I felt like I was in a, in a bizarre place. Uh, but I enjoyed this movie uh, like a lot. That was good. That was like really good, and not among uh, Fincher's best or or anything like that. But uh, I I enjoyed sort of all of the situations uh, he put himself in, and I enjoyed uh, you know I enjoyed the narration that is telling us one thing and. You know the visuals showing us another. I, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly, I saw the comedy. <laughs> it just wasn't funny. That's all. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I prefer when comedies are funny. But you know, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's yeah. just me. And I, I don't know. There was something like, uh, like with the Smith thing. Mm-hmm. It was like it's such like a an obvious and lame sort of choice for for a band there. Yes, and I, and I enjoyed that. Uh, not that I really, really enjoyed the Smiths. I enjoyed. You enjoyed that it was lame. Yeah. Why? Well, because because he's lame. He he sucks. <laughs> but he doesn't suck. He does suck. If he sucks, then why is he so fucking? Um... He sucks. He sucks for the first five minutes, and then he's like kicking everybody's ass the rest of the movie. I, that 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 idea of like this, still, idea, this idea of him being like incompetent, it doesn't fucking wash past the first five minutes. Like he's not incompetent. He does everything else after he fucks up that first shot. He does pretty much perfectly. No, I mean like he he doesn't mean to kill Charles Parnell. He's he's Charles like he's gonna last. Parnell. What his the lawyer in New Orleans, his like handler. He doesn't mean to kill him. Yeah, he's like, I have seven minutes. Is that why he shoots him in the chest with the... Uh... No, he's like, I, I, he's going to bleed out in like seven minutes. I have seven minutes to like get the answer and then like call the ambulance and get out of here. Like, this is what he says in the narration. But then he dies just like instantly. Like, it's just, <laughs> he gets these things just like wrong. Uh, yeah, it does all work out for him. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. And that, that ending is so abrupt and anticlimactic. And I get like, that's, I get it. Like, that's his, that's the point. But it's just like, that's not enough. That's not going to work for me. I mean, again, maybe, maybe like, you know, rewatch after rewatch, um, later on down the road, this will, you know, it'll, it'll right, grow on let, me and I'll understand it this, more. You got to let the <laughs> let things simmer for a little, maybe like February or March next year, you, you start force feeding this and, uh, you'll see, you'll see the light. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I definitely re- would rewatch it. I mean, it's an, it was an entertaining movie. Yeah, I, I did. I had questions about how long we spent, like in the leading up to the first, uh, the, the the botched hit. I was like, they said this was really well paced, and this is taking forever. Uh, but then I got it. The the rest is, yeah, you know, mm. lo- lo- locomotive never stops. All right, mm. Kevin. Trains do stop. Actually, trains do stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So one of one of my sons wanted to wanted me to watch Good Burger with him, so I did. Okay. And 
yeah, it's uh, like I remembered seeing it when I was a kid because I used to watch all that and seeing it again now as a grown up. It's like it's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty ridiculous. And seeing having to having to see uh, Dan Schneider in person is, you know, was a little trippy because if y'all don't know, Dan Schneider is like responsible for like umpteen dozen of Nickelodeon's successes and he has been since um accused of like grooming and yeah. you know, inappropriate yeah. you know interactions with the like younger female s- stars of his shows uh anyway um that aside the movie you know is stupid and ridiculous but it's not total crap you know uh, um oh shit what's his name Abe Vigoda puts in a good um, <laughs> performance as 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 an as the old guy. God. Was that his last performance? I don't know. I, I hope I, not. I, I hope not. I would have to look that up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and we started to watch Good Burger too, but for but I don't know. Sebastian lost interest. <laughs> so Carmen Electra's back. Yeah, she is actually. <laughs> I uh. Kevin, I used to show this movie every year um, after like state testing. Like we do mm-hmm. state testing in the morning and like in the oh, afternoon. Yeah. It's just like, you know, it, we're we're just decompressing and stuff. But um, I know I'm frozen. I'll come back soon. I'm sure, maybe. But the uh, yeah, I used to show it every year, and like the kids when I started doing that in 2015, like had never seen it. Mm. But <laughs> then I moved I moved here and. You know, Good Burger has been on Netflix for a while, or was on Netflix for a while. And right. when I showed it here, like the kids, they loved that I put it on, but they all just knew it, and it was, oh, wow. uh, it was less fun. <laughs> but uh, so now I don't show it anymore. But maybe I'll start showing Good Burger too, because you know they don't have Paramount Plus. Who's got Paramount Plus? Well, we do actually. <laughs> That's cool. Good, Bur- Good Burger came, came out in 1997. Abe Vigoda's working until 2013. Oh, cool. Okay. Man, that's uh, incredible. Sorry, Abe Vigoda. I definitely assumed you died in the late nineties. <laughs> he did a lot of voice work, especially later on. He was he played uh, Tessio, um, which I imagine is his character from the Godfather in the Godfather video games. <laughs> yeah, probably. Cool. <laughs> and uh, he was on uh, High School USA. That was his last role as Otto. That's also a voice. Anyway. Um, okay, well, uh, I watched a movie called uh, The Island from 1980, directed by Michael Ritchie, and starring Michael Caine and David Warner, and it's about a um, reporter in New York who hears about these mysterious attacks on pleasure crafts in the Caribbean, and uh, people are getting murdered and uh, thrown overboard and such, such and such, and uh, disappearing, things like that. And so he goes down to investigate it in off the coast of Florida with his son, who's like a teenager, uh, by promising his son they're going to go to Disney World. And then he kind of sort of just lies, and they go down to uh, investigate this, uh, this, this situation. And it turns out that, uh, well, they end up getting attacked themselves on a boat. And it turns out the people doing the attacking are pirates. And they're the descendants of a bunch of 16th or 17th century pirates who were marooned on some one of these islands off the in the Caribbean, um, and they've been living there 
untouched by society for 300 years. And uh, <laughs> that sounds David, cool as shit. David Warner is their leader. And uh, they have like a really interesting, the way that their dialogue is written is really interesting. Like they speak this sort of weird broken English. Um, and it just, I don't know, man, it really works. Like it makes total sense. Now, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny at all. Like if you if you think <laughs> about it for any amount of time, the idea that these guys would be acting and dressing like pirates still makes zero sense. But, but I forgive it because it's amazing. It's like it's so much fun to watch. You don't even care. And uh, essentially, they get kidnapped by the pirates, and the pirates. Uh, it's a ca- it's a hook situation. They turn the son. They brainwash the son against the father, and then. Um, they, there's a big confrontation at the end with the Coast Guard, and uh, Michael Caine has to take care of fucking business, and he really does in a big way. And uh, this is a, a lot of fun to watch. You should check this one out, The Island. I, I think it's a forgotten um, forgotten gem, maybe. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. That's the same guy who wrote uh, Jaws. Like He wrote the book, yes. right? Uh, cool. Yeah, Peter cool. Peter Benchley mm. wrote this wrote this story. Um, I think he wrote a book that this is based on, also. Oh yeah, was, yeah. Peter, original nice. writer Peter Benchley. Did so, yeah. Michael Did Michael Ritchie direct like real movies? Like, Michael Ritchie movies? Did, he did Fletch and uh, Fletch Lives. So yeah, real oh, movies. No, never mind. And Bad News Bears. <laughs> real movies, Jr. Right? Oh, he did Downhill Racer and Prime Cut. I mean, those are sort of respectable. Okay. I guess I'm thinking of like, yeah, the guy who made the candidate in Downhill Racer. Right. Um, did not realize this is the same person who made uh, Fletch. He's a comedy guy. It looks like mostly comedies. Yeah. Mm. But uh, anyways, I highly recommend The Island just for a, just for a goof. It's a lot of fun. I'm gonna watch it. That sounds that sounds cool. Yeah, man, it's good. Yeah. All right, what do you got, Jr.? Uh, I watched something on Apple Plus. You know, I was just uh, watching that Monarch premiere and, uh, you know, hanging around on the service. What the fuck is Monarch? What? <laughs> what is that? A Legacy of Monsters? Monarch? Oh, that's that stupid Godzilla show? All right, never mind. Yeah, definitely. Skip it. Just go. I skipped you guys. <laughs> I, I te- not skipped. I texted you guys about it. You guys ignored me completely. Yeah, I, who cares oh. about it? That's why, JR. Nobody cares. Guys, it's got, <laughs> it's got Wyatt Russell. Hey, let's, hey, let's, real quick, real quick, JR. You're frozen, right? Yeah. You just like turn your camera off on the on Skype and turn it back on and see what happens. Uh, it, well, it won't turn back on. Uh, this is a thing. Oh, really? Um, mm. Yeah. So once that's what I usually do, and it just comes right back on. Yeah. So last time uh, this happened, I just kind of waited it out and I unfroze. But yeah, when I turn the camera off, I now can no longer click anything else in Skype. Wow. wow. And you guys haven't frozen, but like the timer for the uh, recorder has frozen. It's uh, it's really weird. And this was happening on my previous work computer. I don't understand why. Um, it's like an issue with Skype or something, or an issue with my like districts management of of apps. Mm. I don't I don't know what's going on. Time to get your own um, personal computer, you fucking jerk off. Just kidding with you. Just again, <laughs> you know, once once I've got a computer that isn't almost fourteen years old, I'll I'll start using the personal computer again for this. 
Um, oh, anyway, so again, um, Monarch is uh, a stupid show, which is not what I was trying to talk about. But again, okay, watched sorry, it, go ahead. Um, and knew that John Carney had uh, his new movie on Apple. So I was like, you know, I'll hang around. Let's uh, let's fire that up. It's called Flora and Son. John Carney is the person who directed uh, Once in like 2006 and then uh, oh. Sing Street 10 years later and did something not great with uh, Keira Knightley in between. I can't remember the name of that one. Begin Again or something like that. But all of them are, uh, you know, based around music and are they're all very, you know, tug at your heartstrings kind of basic, simple heartwarming stories. And um this is that same thing, and it's uh, definitely closer to the bad Cure Knightley one than it is to something good or, you know, to, your mileage may vary, but pretty good, like once or Sing Street. Um, and this star is Eve Hewson, who is an Irish actress who was uh, probably the standout in a show called Bad Sisters that uh, my uh, wife and I watched, also on Apple, I think. God damn, Eve. Uh, anyway, a lot of Apple happening. Um, and she's kind of like a fuck up and she's got a teenage son and he's becoming a fuck up. And, um, her ex Jack Rayner, you know, lives down the street. He's a fuck up too. And, uh, he's like, you can't commit to anything. You'll never learn anything. She bought, uh, this guitar or not bought. She stole a guitar from out of like a dumpster and was like, I'm going to learn this. And my son's going to learn it and we're going to get good at music. And Jack Rayner's like, no, you're not. You're not going to do anything. So she uh, gets online and is like, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you offer guitar lessons and you're hot. Let's uh, develop a relationship on Skype. And uh, that's the movie. She learns guitar, (sighs) talks a lot to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They have flirtations. Um, Her son starts making music, mostly digital, and they, uh, they start a band together. The end. That sounds terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's not great. The, uh, the beginning is better. Like, um, Eve Hewson and her son sort of just like in like, we're fuck ups and awful mode. That's not, that's like, that's bearable actually. And her first like uh, guitar lesson with Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, um, pretty good. Like cringe comedy style shit where she just like starts this drunk and, uh, ends up hitting on Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I, I thought that scene worked really well. She's awful. Um, and then it got just treacly and bad. And I gave a very generous rating to it. It's not a three-star movie. <laughs> All right. Kevin? Okay. So I watched Masaki Kobayashi's The Thick-Walled Room. Um, the big reason that I wanted to watch it was because it's uh, – Tatsuya Nakadai's film debut. Well, technically his film debut is The Seven Samurai, but that's like a cameo. And like Thick Walled Room was made before Seven Samurai, but it came out later. Anyway, like I I didn't even notice him in the movie. Um, but I was uh su- I was surprised to see that the screenplay was written by Kobo Abe, who did those three uh. Teshigahara films and you know yeah. great novelist in his own right um 
and it was interesting too because like I didn't know what the movie was going to be about, but like I had just finished um, this four volume manga of a history of Japan, and most of it is the author's like um, experiences during World War Two. So the movie Thick Walled Room deals with like yeah. The movie deals with um, uh, Japanese prisoners, political prisoners, post-war, and the shit th- that they're dealing with in prison, and you know why they why they got there, and all all this other kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, it's a it's an interesting scenario. The movie is just kind of okay. I think the performances are decent, and it's uh, you know. I think it's it's not super just dark and depressing, but it is like very like uh, down to earth as I think it should be. Um, so yeah, that's uh, thick walled room, three and a half. All right, check it out. I'll uh, I, I watched um, uh, Lancelot du Lac, which is a um, Bresson film that's been on my hard drive for like fifteen years, and. Uh, just was actually just like cruising plex saw it in my playlist and was like yeah that it's time it's time so i uh (laughs) did you delete it from your hard drive i didn't actually no i haven't (laughs) i haven't even touched that hard drive in a while but uh anyway um yeah so this is a movie about um the romance between lancelot and guinevere uh you know lancelot the knight of the round table and the problems that that creates between him and the other knights and especially arthur and uh but it's obviously it's it's in it's french um and it's brisson so there is a like uh emotional disconnectedness that permeates the movie like most of brisson's work and that i've seen anyway and uh it's this is a strange movie okay this is a bizarre sort of way to deal with this story, which is a classic adventure romance tale. And he sort of strips away all adventure and he sort of strips away all romance and it's the better for it. It's an interesting way to do it. I wouldn't say like, you know, I wouldn't take this and be like, okay, you can get rid of Excalibur. Now we've got Lancelot of the Lake, but it's like, (laughs) it's a nice, counterpoint to that you know it's like you you take away all the pomp and circumstance of um the all the fantasy out of the story really and you present it uh as as bare bones as possibly as possible and it's uh i don't know it really works and i really liked the portrayal of violence in the film um at the beginning of the movie uh it starts off very aggressively. There are some crazy beheadings that are just very, very bloody and like hoses of blood coming, like spraying. (laughs) (coughs) Sorry. And, um, but I'll tell you that stuff. Uh, I, I really, I, I like that sort of thing. And then at the end, the way that they sort of, uh, spoiler alert, sort of like everyone dies at the end. And, um, there's this, the way that Brisson like portrays it as these living tableau, um, 
of like these characters just sort of bleeding out, but they're like standing or they're like one, one of them is crazy. One of them is like on his hands and knees in the mud and there's blood just like draining from his nose, like from like a head wound. And it's just, but he's just completely still, you know, it's just really incredible. I don't know. It really worked for me on a lot of levels and uh, I would recommend it to anyone who likes Brisson and likes, night stuff i love night shit you know so jr loves this one it's a truly just bizarre incredible feat <laughs> and i say feet because he films the bottom half of people's bodies yes a lot. yes which is sort of, which sort of is, famous for that yeah, but that's awesome though too because it's like it's a way to it's a way to disconnect, right, from the emotional mm-hmm. like center of the character. It's like don't well, just don't show their faces, you know. They're not their faces. They're just walking around. There's figures walking around in this world, and interacting <laughs> with one another. We don't get to see the interactions. We just you know, you hear them, but you're looking at their feet, and you're looking at the mud, and you're looking at a horse's hoof, and it's just, <laughs> it's great. It's so good. I don't know. I really like this. This is probably this might be my favorite Brazilian film. I think it is actually. Um, so. Yeah, still need to see a couple, uh, Mouchette and um, The Devil, probably, and things like this, but I really like this one a lot. Like, I'm sure I've made that list, and I I wonder if I have it at the top. If it's not at the top, it's it's near the top. Yeah, it's great. All right, uh, JR? All right, I guess, uh, you know, I watched kind of one, one more thing we're talking about, and it's not hypnotic. Um, which is bad. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's called. Um, this is part of the uh, on the Criterion Channel. Uh, a Japanese director I've seen a lot of stuff from, and this has kind of been on my list for a while. It's a. Uh, it's called a legend, or was it, by uh, Keisuke Kinoshita, who is um, a guy who made a lot of. I think he is kind of like just a, a B tier. <laughs> Japanese director. He did some samurai stuff and he did uh, some sort of like ja- action stuff and then like a bunch of other like you know, just classic family melodrama stuff. Um, and he's got some movies that are really good and some movies that are really mediocre. And uh, this one is really good. Plays out like a pretty classic uh, Western, but in a post World War II sort of a rural village in Japan. And um, it's this family who has to uh, relocate to this village because their home is destroyed in, uh, pretty sure it was Tokyo, but a big city for sure. And like the daughter of this family is going to like marry this, we'll say like a a prominent uh, person's son in the village and people kind of freak out about this because this is like uh, this sort of undignified Tokyo or city person who doesn't have a home. And like, this is sort of an embarrassing match and uh, there are some misunderstandings and things come to a head and we have a, a, a awesome Western climax. And this is just like a, a lean, mean, um, ugly ass machine with, with oh. ugly ass people. And uh, and I loved it. It's eighty three minutes. Nice. Yeah, you gotta love an eighty three minute runtime for sure. 
Kevin. Okay. So let's see. I want, I'll just go through the rest of them real quick. I watched the remake of the Grinch from 20, whatever it was. Um, it was fine. Um, one, one of the thing one of the things that I noticed, um, like in the original cartoon of the Grinch, like there's no religious stuff in that cartoon at all. But in this one, they end up using like most of the like traditional carols that you know are about Jesus. So I thought it was, it was like, okay, I think they could have done without that, but whatever. Um, is that like a, so, is that a Benedict thing? Is Benedict really Christian? I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I really don't know much about him. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's see. So then I watched. Um, uh, some Kurosawa movies. First one was uh, Dodes Kaden, which like I don't know why really, but like for some for whatever reason it struck me like like just it seemed it reminded me a lot of Mon Uncle and like you have like a bunch of like disparate quirky characters and they're just kind of all over you know doing stuff. Um, the biggest difference being that, uh, you know, Mononcle is funny. Dodeskadin is not funny. Well, there, there's a couple of funny parts, but for the most part, it is fucking depressing. Yeah, it's not, not funny. It is, no, like, like, you know, like, like you have like some, you know, like some working class dudes who like get drunk and they like argue with their wives and, you know, like that's, that's kind of funny. Um, but like, but yeah, like there's like, especially towards the end, it's like, did we really need this? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, Jr. You probably know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, I don't like to uh, to think about a Kurosawa movie and just be like, we didn't need this at all. But yeah. it's uh, it's definitely not amongst uh, my most valued of his. Yeah, for sure. Um, but anyway, uh, so after that, I rewatched The Hidden Fortress, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. And it was interesting, like, I had seen this movie, like, probably, I don't know, maybe, like, 11, 12 years ago. Um, so knowing more about Kurosawa, knowing more about the actors that are in it and knowing more just about, you know, Japanese cinema in general, like it was much more interesting seeing this the second time around. Um, particularly like there's a scene where, um, Tashira Mifune's character is, gets into a duel with this, uh, general and the guy he's dueling was the lead in Kurosawa's first movie, Sancho Sugata. So that was, like, an interesting, you know, like, callback to, like, you know, the 40s. But, you know, it was only, like, 15, 17 years earlier, but go with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, um, Minoru Chiaki and the other guy who, you know, like, the R2 to his 3PO. Um, like, those, those guys are hilarious and... Uh, like uh the woman the woman 
woman who plays the princess, I think, could have used... Like, she didn't do much acting. So, I think, like, she definitely could have, you know, used a you know, few notes. Especially on her, like, vocal deliveries. Because, like, everything she says is very short. And she's very screechy. The entire time. No matter what she's talking about. And it's like, okay, like... I don't know. Maybe maybe she was like some big time, you know, model back in the day. And so like Kurosawa couldn't really, you know, give her notes. Um, but yeah, like I, I like that, like her performance is like the only one that like is dragging in the movie. Um, but yes, uh, so now I'm down to like there are two Kurosawa movies that I haven't seen. Uh, I'm not counting, like, there's one that he, like, co-directed with, like, two other dudes, and then there's, like, a documentary, which you can't find either of these, so I'm not really counting those, so when I finally get around to saying, now I've seen all of his movies, and we'll probably do a ranked list of my favorite Kurosawa movies, I won't count those. And hopefully, you know, whatever wacko cinephiles, you know, won't jump on my case too much. Or maybe they will, will. and we'll have content for the show. You can expect me to be on your fucking case. Just kidding. (laughs) I, man, I haven't, look, it's been so long since I revisited some Kurosawa stuff. I need to do that. Mm. Is it time for the show's first re-review? A bad sleep well? Yeah. Um, I hope not. I'm down. Uh, <laughs> I'm down. I, um, I'm just going to do my last one, okay? I watched The Keep. Uh, this is Michael Mann's first film, from, or second, third film? Second film, right? I don't know. It's don't not know. good, though. <laughs> it's from 1983. <laughs> JR gave it three stars, so he liked it a little bit. Um... It's uh, it's about a group of Nazi soldiers who uh, uh, like take refuge at a um, a keep. I don't even, you know, I don't even know what that is. It's like a big, it's like a big stone structure, and uh, it's vaguely religious. And uh, there are these, you know, silver crosses everywhere, and it's just a, it's a pretty goofy B horror movie, and um. Essentially, it becomes like a golem sort of situation where there's this uh, demon who starts to take form and kill the Nazis uh, few by few. And uh, it's, you know, not good at all. Like, it's a really bad movie. And it's surprising how bad it is because it's like, it's not like it's Michael Mann. Like, it's not like he's never done anything before. You know what I mean? Like, he's done, like at this point, Michael Mann has done has done Thief, right? So it's like, and Thief is like amazing. So it's just, it's weird that A, he would go for something like this, which is like this weird supernatural story. And uh, B, that it's just so incompetently made and and terrible. And uh, if you're a, um, if you're a uh, Ian McKellen fan, let me tell you, watch this movie. It'll cure you. Okay. Because he is (laughs) God awful in this. Uh, He's, it's the worst performance I think I've ever seen by an actor who people like. It's really bad. And he's terrible in it. Robert Prosky is god awful in this. Scott Glenn is really fucking bad. Ooh. Gabriel Byrne is a joke. 
Uh, the only person, the only person uh, pulling their weight is Jurgen Proshnow, who I don't even like. Like I, everything I've seen Jurgen Proshnow, I think he's a shit actor, but he's actually pretty good in this. Like he's he's giving a uh, you know uh, comparatively a, a subtle performance here, you know, and it's <laughs> as the uh, captain of the Nazi squad who arrived before. Gabriel Burns SS soldiers show up, you know, and fuck everything up. Anyways, it's a really terrible movie with god awful special effects and terrible makeup. And uh I would I would say avoid it. You know, if you heard about this and you're like, hey, Michael Mann, he rocks. He's this has got to be good. It's not. This is bad. Okay. This is bad. This is the worst movie I've ever seen by Michael Mann. And he's made some stinkers. So I mean I'm I'm not a huge fan of Thief, but like I'm not going to say that Michael Mann doesn't know how to make a movie, and this so this has me like real worried. <laughs> yeah, so I will avoid. You don't want to watch it. It's not good. I don't remember what I found like redeemable about this. I probably was just in full <laughs> Michael Mann apologist mode. You must have been because <laughs> three stars is about double too much. Okay, my guy. Look, you know what? I was I had your shit open a minute ago. You know, right yeah. after I said Floor and Son didn't deserve three stars, I see John gave Trolls Band together three stars. Yeah. I'm like, have you seen it, JR? I have I have not seen it. Watch it and tell me I'm wrong, okay? The the, the Trolls movie is a lot of fun. The the so first the to... second I only saw the second Trolls movie. The second one it wasn't that good. This one's a lot more fun, a lot funnier. It actually has like funny, comedic, good moments. Andrew Reynolds does one of the voices and he's very funny. It's a decent movie, and it's got some really cool animation stuff that they do in it. Um, all right, 2D, all right. 2D stuff. It's good. All right. All right. I passed, I passed too soon. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Fuck, you fucked up, bud. <laughs> sure. Okay. okay. Anyway. Um, all right. Are you guys, you have more stuff, Jer? No. Do you want Kevin? me to talk about Mike Flanagan? No. I don't Kevin? want to talk about Mike Flanagan. <laughs> I don't have anything more. Uh, I, I'm I'm fine if you want to talk about Mike Flanagan, but I, I think oh, I, I, oh, I don't. It's, it's John. Was, John probably kidding. needs to rest. The um, you know, I I will say I'll say briefly that I I finished uh, season two of The Wire. Oh, nice. And, uh, I gotta tell you guys, I was into season two for about three quarters of it. That those last couple episodes really lost some steam. I don't know. Oh man. It did not work for me the way that season ended, and the. You're quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm taking a break. But the the performances of uh, Pablo Schreiber, like that guy, is not good. Like he's, he tries to emote at the end of it, and he's crying and shit. It's just it's not good. Like he is not pulling it off. This, that's that's the season where they're doing like the docs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. For some reason, I thought that was like the third season. No, that's the second. No, oh. and they, I think. Feels like they realize uh, we fucked up. We're we're going back. Yeah, I started the third season like right after I finished. Like I was just like, oh, I'll just keep going, you know. But I I stopped like midway through the first episode. I was like, I just need, I need to take a break. I was in the yeah. middle of being sick with the flu. That's also I remember. Sorry. I remember the third and fourth seasons being much better than the second season. But cool. it's been a long time. Been yes. A long time. I hope that that's true. Um, Kevin, it's your pick next time, right? Yeah. What do you got for us? So, we are going to watch Brain Candy from 1996, directed by Kelly Macon and starring made, and made by the kids in the hall, the comedy oh, troupe. Okay. Oh, okay. I was like, wait. 
I was like, this sounds familiar. What's happening here? Nice. Yeah, because uh, yeah, yeah, because when, yeah, when John sent me that uh, that TikTok of uh, that show of the the episode of Kids Citizen in the Hall, Kane. Where, yeah, the Citizen yeah. Kane. <laughs> just it's like it's like, oh yeah, we like we need to, we need to do we need to do some Kids in the Hall because Kids in the Hall rules. This may not be a good movie, but you know, because you know, it's been like ten years since I've seen it. But hey, you know, let's let's give it a shot. All right, I'll check it out. Yeah, man. All right, so we'll be watching the Kids in the Hall movie Brain Candy for our next episode. And until then, uh, thanks for listening. Visit our website, filmmakepodcast.com, and write to us at filmmakepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much. We'll see you at 151. Bye bye.